One of the questions that I want to just kind of address today, it's not going to be an all-encompassing answer every question. In fact, I'm probably going to provoke you a little bit. I want to talk about, is there an evil force on this planet? Is there an evil force on this planet? Psychology would tell you no, that it's just the depravity of man. It's just people who are not thinking right, and a man can scoop to horrible, evil levels. And I understand, and that's partly true. But they don't ever address the spirit. It's always physical and mental, physical and mental. Whereas the Word of God addresses a third component that is the answer to it all, and that is the spirit realm. And so the reason I hate religion, and I say it all the time, is because religion is where leaders make up rules to make people feel like they don't quite measure up. Their prayers don't measure up. Things don't measure up. And so they're always in this defeated place of trying to please God and get God to move. And I, I, I hate that. I, I, I want people to understand um, that this Jesus has done it all. His death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension has paid it all. And if there's anything left, we're back into works and we're back into religion and we're back into striving and trying and no miracles. I heard a, a leader share this story years ago as a young man. I never forgot it. He said that, he was an evangelist, and a close friend of his, a couple, had a son. Uh, he was now in his late teens, I think, and he got a phone call from this boy's mother. And she said, could you come down? She was just broken on the phone. Could you come down, please, quickly? She goes, my son has raped a girl. He has assaulted and hurt badly someone. I don't think it's murder yet. And he is, and she went through a list of crimes. And she goes, and it's, this looks like it's for real. Would you please come with me down to the police station? So he met her at the police station, or he met, and they drove together down to the police station, and she was just beside herself. She couldn't believe that. She goes, I brought this boy to church. I taught him about Jesus. He's been raised in a good home. What in the world went wrong? And he said he was just sitting there, and he just sensed Holy Spirit prompt him, and he said, did you ever teach him about the devil? And this blank look came over her face like kind of like, well, 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 no. You see, we know that because of Christ, the enemy has no authority. He can't manifest himself in front of you and just put sickness on you. But there is a battlefield of the mind. And because Jesus stripped him, there's some things that, we need to understand about him. There is a war that is raging all over the planet, and it's raging for the hearts and the minds of people. And like God uses people, and he flows through people to bring freedom and, and life and blessing, the enemy as well uses people because he has no authority. He tries to influence their thoughts 
their thinking. He tries to snare them, to trap them, to do his bidding. And few people realize that even believers can fall into the snare of the enemy. In Revelation chapter 12, it gives us a beginning of where this enemy comes from. It says in verse 7, a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. Wow, a war in heaven. But they did not prevail, and there was no place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, this goes on. All I want to show you here is this epic uh, situation that took place in heaven where a created being, an angel, an archangel, uh, we see three of them could be in the Bible, um, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. But he took some of the creative power that God gave him and with it created pride and sin and tried to take out his own creator. It says a lot of us believe about a third of the angels because different scriptures talk about that, uh, went with him, and he was immediately hurled, is what in the Greek, uh, the word, it just hurled out of heaven. This battle wasn't at war. It went on for a millennia. No, it was a, a pretty fast, bam, gone. But the Bible says that in the last, I'll just read verse 17. It says, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The enemy is angry. It uses the word wrath, which means breathing hard, fierce, and boiling over. This is the enemy. He's a hater. He hates you and I because we look like God. He would like nothing more than to hurt you. You know, it's kind of like you can't touch the big bully, so you just key his car. Can't get to him, you're going to go after his car. And the enemy can't get at God, but he can get at, he's trying to get at what God loves. Second Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, we should not be ignorant of his devices. There's a ton of scriptures that talk about in the Old Testament, but I specifically love after Christ died on the cross for you and I. It's a brand new covenant. We pray differently. And we talked about this last week. If you were, weren't here last week, go to YouTube and, and, and listen to this I'm learning prayer as I show how people pray different old covenant prayer rather than new covenant prayer. And if you do that and, and you don't understand, you, you're not in a place of understanding that it's finished that it's done, that faith receives, you yield to the word, and you receive this. And so when we take a look at this enemy that we have, it's interesting that God has given us an armor, an armor from another world, from a different world. You know, I, we often watch these great movies where some alien entity, you know, comes from another planet and they got this incredible armor and what it stops and what it does and you can disappear and all these movies. But the fact is, the armor given to the believer in Ephesians 6 is the armor that Isaiah says Jesus wore. So Jesus, from the spirit realm, came to this earth 
And in being a human being, he wore an armor that you and I are to wear. In fact, the Bible even talks about this armor, that if you put on the full armor, that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Well, I thought we have to outthink him. Now the armor just does it automatically for you. And this armor is crucial. The armor is an understanding of different principles in God's word. To not know the principles and feed on the principles is to go into life, to go into battle with pieces that are missing. You're going into battle in your fruit of the looms. And you don't realize you've got no armor to stop the arrows and the, and the stabbing and the things that come at you. And so it goes on to talk about here that this armor comes from the word and the schemes of the devil will not work. The, Jesus does not show a victorious devil. He shows a victorious church. Contrary to 99% of the preaching you hear out there, there's always some little hook that said, well, I guess if you don't get this right. But no, it says our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, the powers, the world forces of this darkness, against spirit forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. There will be people in your world that will just backstab you, hate you, not like you, turn against you, hurt you, go after your kids, your spouse, your money, your finances. There are people who will go after cities, countries. There are people who will just, and, and, and what's behind it? It's not that person, although you, you can get a real distaste for that person, but it's there's an evil spirit that is behind this. And the Bible's very clear about it. 1 Peter 5 teaches us to be sober, be vigilant, because our adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I'll just say this. Suffering, according to the new covenant, is not suffering with any of the curse of the law. Sickness, disease, um, kidnapping, fear, anger. All No, no. He's talking here very clearly about the sufferings that the enemy will try to bring into your life through others. Okay? Everybody here knows someone that backstabs you, can't stand you because of your stand for Christ or whatever. And, and you don't, don't let it bother you because he, Jesus goes on saying, and I've overcome them all anyway. So don't let this bother you. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, it says that pray, and it's talking about how to share Jesus with people. and says that they may wake up and escape from the trap, the snare of the devil who catches them to do what he wants. His will, in brackets, in the expanded Bible. So, the devil is not an all-powerful force who walks into our lives and does whatever he wants. The battleground is the mind. The battleground is the mind. And the mind is something the Word talks a lot about. And if you and I do not quickly understand, there are principles you must learn from the Word and feed on in the word. And there are tactics that are given to the believer to walk in victory every time, all the time. And that his yoke is easy, that his burden is light. There's nothing hard about this, but so many people, they just are going to do it their own way. James 4, 7 says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, 
and he will flee from you, run in terror. Now, so I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna talk about resisting the devil today. Because I've asked people, how do you resist the devil? And they kind of get this blank look. Well, um, and they got to start thinking. Now, submitting to God, of course, is this beautiful submitting and learning his word. And then spending time with Holy Spirit. I mean, he's on this planet to teach you, train you. Read the Old Testament, the New Testament. He is the one that brings the miraculous, that manifests the power and, and, and the miraculous things of God is Holy Spirit. And he's within us today. And so we should be fellowshipping with him. We should be feeding on God's word. I would say it this way in 40 years of ministry that as I just continue to stay in God's word and, and, and feed on the bread of life, this understanding of the new covenant, it makes the armor around you, on you, so potent, so powerful that the Bible teaches us that the, the end, that every scheme of the enemy will fall. And if you don't understand how to use the shield of faith, Develop your faith in the word. That then when things come at you, you won't know that it, it, the opposite of that lie is the truth that you know that just stops and puts out that flaming missile. That the sword that's been given to you, which is a supernatural weapon, not of this world, but this sword is the sword of the spirit. And it is the word of God coming out of your mouth, anointed by Holy Spirit. There's just, he has prepared everything that we need. But what does it mean? What are some of the areas we should think about when it comes to resisting the devil? Well, first of all, we just talked about it. There's an armor. To run into battle in your fruit of the looms. And every time a, a flaming missile comes in, you go, oh, oh, I'm hit. Oh, God, please stop it. Help me. Help me. Help me. The word says, put on the armor. It means you put it on. It's already been given, already yours. Holy Spirit's there to teach it to you. And as you learn and feed and know the word of God, you become this incredibly, you, you, know, you don't have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This sound mind is so renewed with the word. And then it's written on the very tables of your heart. And your heart is the autopilot of your life. This deeper subconscious, as a man thinks in his heart, not his head, his heart, so he lives. So it's crucial that we get this armor on. Then we know the sword of the Spirit. Speak, praying God's word is a powerful way to deal with it. Jesus, when he was fighting with the devil himself, he said repeatedly, it is written. And when he said, it is written, it's, it reminds me of a guy with a rifle, you know, a hunting rifle, and he's going to shoot, so he grabs the bolt and bam, loaded, ready to fire. It's like, it is written, and you know what's coming after this is going to just absolutely destroy the enemy. And he said, bam, and he would quote a verse, and the enemy would just stop. He'd tempt them in another area. It is written. Why did Jesus say every time it is written? He wanted to show you and I that the way to live a life of overcoming power, wear the armor, use the sword. To not use the sword means you're on the defensive all your life. You don't do anything until all of a sudden it's, oh, battle stations, what's going on? Something's going wrong, Jesus! Why weren't you continually fighting with the sword? Why weren't you taking ground in every arena of your life? That's what the sword is for. And I'm not going to teach on these. I want you to throw a few things at you. I'm going to cover one of these. And then it talks about, in Corinthians chapter 10, taking thoughts captive. 
And it talked about the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then some wild teaching thinks we're talking about evil spirits governed by different areas. But here it's very clear that this is the battlefield is the mind, and you've got to take a thought captive. You've got to pull down preconceived ideas and notions that you've developed. And then these strongholds will hold an area of your life where you will not find miraculous flow. You will not be able to make a relationship work, finances work, peace, joy, some area of your life. And because you've never taken thoughts captive. I remember when I first decided I'm going to take thoughts captive. I'm just tired of my brain going, and I, I thought, okay, I'm going to take thoughts captive. Is there a bad thought coming in? And I couldn't believe how fast your mind goes. You know, we talk about 200 words a minute, but you think at 1,300 words a minute. Just, it's how fast your brain is going. And if it has habits, you think addictions that are physical are bad? Oh, they're brutal. They're wicked. I mean, sexual addictions, drug addictions, alcohol addictions. I mean, porn, just a little. But thinking, habitual thinking is the mother of them all. And so you and I need to recognize this, that thoughts, you need to begin the process of using Romans 12 and taking thoughts captive. And as you begin to just practice this, ask Holy Spirit to help you, you'll get good that a certain thought will hit your head and your stomach will just go in a knot as you learn to sense your spirit. And then you'll begin to put up the shield of faith, which is no, the word says, and you move on. And as you do this, you begin to regulate your thinking. My dad had a saying. He said, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. And a lot of Christians want taffy messages, and they're already diabetics, and they don't want to take the time to dive into the Word. I just pray, lay hands on me, and things are going to be fine. But that's not what the Word teaches us. It teaches us that you have an enemy. And so we, taking thoughts captive is a crucial part of this. Um, casting them out is something Jesus talks about. If someone comes to you who's in such bondage to a, to a demonic thing, it says that, and if they want freedom, you can cast him out. I've also found in my life, there's been certain times where there's like an assignment on a specific area of my life. And my lightning fast mind doesn't realize I'm no longer fighting flesh and blood. I'm not just solving problems, thinking through with wisdom. There's something going on here. And all of a sudden I go, this assignment against this area, I command it to stop out in Jesus' name. And you just cast it out. There's, there's, there's a lot of beautiful principles and tools that God has given us in dealing with it. And, and I don't think about him every day. But in knowing these, it just gives you this freedom to follow Christ and to be aware of him. The Bible also says the anointing breaks the yoke. One thing I've noticed, people can be horribly addicted to external addictions, broken, brokenhearted, offended, messed up inside. And, and the Bible says that that offense is like the steel bars of a castle. You can't seem to break free. And I've seen them walk into one service into the presence of God and the worship and the praise as God's people worship him, hearing the word. And that day in one service, be completely set free from something that has dogged them for their entire lives because the presence of God breaks. And the yoke is what you would put around an oxen 
to pull a plow. You lock him into that wooden or leather or steel yoke around his neck and he can't get free. And that yoke is broken by the presence of God. So today, I want to finish my message of talking about offense. Offense. The Bible is very clear that offense is one of the most brutal things in a Christian's life. And it's something that few Christians seem to pay attention to. Now, what's interesting is that, well, let me read you a couple verses. Exercise foresight. Be on the watch. Look after one another. See that no one falls back and fails to secure God's grace in order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness, or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment, and many become contaminated and defiled by it. Okay, you got my attention right now. There's something that a born-again believer can do that will cause their relationships to be defiled. It will cause... Now, listen to James 3. If you have bitter jealousy, envy, contention, rivalry, selfish ambition in your hearts, do not pride yourself on it and thus be in defiance of the truth. This superficial wisdom of why you're offended and why you're ticked off and what, you know, this superficial wisdom, it's not from above. Okay, it's not from above. But it is earthly and unspiritual. In brackets, my Bible says animal, even devilish, demonic. For wherever there is jealousy, envy, contention, rivalry, selfish ambition, there will also be confusion, unrest, disharmony, rebellion, and all sorts of evil and vile practices. I meet a lot of Christians over 40 years of ministry. Some it is so easy to walk them through to freedom and whatever they're dealing with. And with others, I never was able to. Never. It didn't matter how much counseling, how much love, how much care, how much looking after, because there's an area of our lives that we have to be very careful, and it's entering into offense. Now, the only way to enter into offense is to judge someone's heart. Now, that's a, we did a whole series on judging, what you can judge and what you can't judge. But to judge someone's heart, um, if you think you can, then you begin to be offended. What they didn't do, did do, did say, didn't say, what the actions, etc. And this offense is brutal. I'm going to give you a, just a picture for a minute. When we talk about the word offense, it's from the root word scandalon and in the Greek. And that root word in the Greek is the same word used for the trigger of a trap. It's called scandalon. And so if you want to attract that mouse to the trap or that animal to the trap, you've got to bait it with something he wants. And then when he touches the bait, which is on the trigger, that trap captures him, snares him, and the verses I just read you say, to do the bidding of the enemy. So people who get offended, people who are easily hurt, 
You know, hurts is an easy word for offended. And they say, well, I've got a good reason to. So-and-so did this. There's a ton of good reasons. But offense is not given. Offense is taken. And we are commanded, unless you want to defile your relationships, unless you want to live in a constant witchcraft kind of environment. You know that whenever complete selfishness is where the enemy begins to gain a hold of our lives. Whenever one person tries to manipulate another, we have the beginning of witchcraft, even if you are a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. As your pastor, I refuse to manipulate. I will present the word, and you can do as you like. But I, I ref- I've learned by watching so many people try to manipulate people into change, that manipulation, every person is free on the planet, and even God will not manipulate you. You are free, and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It's given to you by God, not your government. And this freedom, he won't violate but he will try to teach you and show you and present things to you. And so when we talk about traps, I got a trap here. This one hurts. It's a rat trap. Now, on a rat trap, on every trap, you've got the trigger. The trigger is what you want the person to go for. So you don't put the cheese over here. You don't put the cheese in the bottom. You don't put the cheese over. You put it on the trigger. And I promise you, every day of your life, his number one trick as a born-again believer will to get you to be offended. Because the second you judge another person and you get offended by them, you you lose this ability to produce miracles because your heart is now in offense. It's not in faith. The Bible teaches us that we must believe, according to Romans chapter 10, we must speak with our mouth and believe with our heart. In Mark chapter 11, 20 to 25, it talks about you can't, excuse me, doubt in your heart. This heart is very crucial. And so to take a look at the trap and then to begin to go for this and to be snared is to stay in constant offense. Now, I'm second-generation pastor, and I think it's a real advantage in the ministry because I grew up with a wonderful two pastors, my dad and my mom, and I watched them the people in their lives, and the people in my life as Sal and I pastored. And I've seen people move from offense to offense their entire life. You can be counseled all you want. You can, you can see everybody from the prayer tower to the prayer basement to the prayer club. Uh, you can have the whole world praying for you. And God himself cannot help you. Well, Leon, God can do anything. No, he gave you freedom. He gave you free choice, free will. He will not violate that by forcing you to obey him. Your will is so strong that when you make a decision to be offended by somebody, to be bitter, unhappy, unforgiving, you are playing with such fire because your marriage can get defiled. Your kids can get defiled. What does the word defile? There is this effect. 
effect that begins to affect your marriage, your sex life, your children. They grow up. There are people who, you know, they get upset with church or the pastor. Jesus talks a lot about being offended for the word's sake. And in Mark chapter 4, talks about how that it'll end the harvest. It says the word's planted in your heart. One kind of seed is planted in the heart. And it says, and it grows up quickly, but it gets offended for the word's sake. And you can't bear fruit. So this issue of guarding your heart, watching your mouth, not allowing yourself to be upset by somebody. Why would you give someone else the power to shut your life down, to shut your miracles down? I've seen people live in such offense, and I've tried to help them. I've tried to show this to them. But if they don't want to, their see, hatred and bitterness can come. And, and what happens to people is that they stop seeing the power of God because they're so focused on what this person did to me. And, and they'll pray, but they'll be praying, God, strike him dead, which is witchcraft, not prayer. We need to understand the spirit realm. We need to understand that a sound mind, that the peace of God in your emotions, that yes, we can teach you things in counseling, but if you have allowed offense to come into your life, if you have allowed bitterness towards someone, Okay, now, and I'm going to say this. Well, Leon, God can't forgive you if you don't forgive. Now, that's pre-cross. Jesus did say that forgive others so your heavenly Father can forgive you. But later on after the cross, he says, forgive others as I have forgiven you. But now, here's the trigger, okay? And, 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 if, and it's interesting that when we, when we begin to, that when we live our lives, these traps are everywhere. I may as well put them all over the platform. And each one is an invitation to come touch the trigger. Each one is take the bait and get snared. And from that point and on, you'll just see it go down. There's a trigger. I'm snared. I was going to put my finger in it, but then I changed my mind when I saw how hard it snapped. Have you been baited is a question. Do you live in a, in a sense of joy and peace? Do you live in a sense of loving people? When it comes to your marriage, I believe this is one of the number one reasons why marriages end. You can say, oh, the top three are communication, sex, and money. Oh, I get it. But behind those three will be offense. And offense is a demonic plan. It is a demonic snare for your lives. Remove yourself from it. Forgive and ask God to help you. I believe there are so many Christians in today's world that are held captive and they can't break free and they will need the power of Holy Spirit. They will need their will and the power of Holy Spirit together to break the yoke that holds them into such an area where they can't produce results. And my challenge to you is to give up this right to be offended by someone, give up the right to blame them. And from now on, just say, I give no one, I give nobody the ability to end my joy, my peace, my life. You know, I'm in my late 50s and, and life goes by so quick. And you begin to realize how quickly you could spend a decade living an offense. You could spend 20 years and watch your kids grow up. And because, bless God, I got a right to be upset at that guy. Do you know what he did? Jesus said, 
if he can be crucified, if he could give his life for you and I and be bitten in his, I mean, just beaten in his, his beard ripped out and die in our place and forgive and say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Then you and I can as well. Remember this, it's never going to end. Bible says, woe to those whom offenses come. They will come for the rest of your life. But for you and I, recognize nobody can make you offended. They can just hurt you for a minute. They can make you look bad. They can lie about you, backstab you, etc. But the offense, it's a process. We've talked about in another series on judging where you've judged them, you're offended, and now you are snared. And I, I've made a decision that I am going to watch everything that goes on. And the second someone begins to gossip or try to get my ire up, you see so-and-so, well, they think there's something. And they're just trying to get you offended. They're just trying to get you to be bugged and bothered by things. And you start losing this ability to just walk. And the Bible says to be mindful of the things that are above, not on this earth. Be protecting this beautiful grace, believing in the grace of God, that nobody can change and stop the beauty that God has for your life and where you're going. So don't stop being worried about their mouths, what they're saying, what they're doing. You might have to make sure that you've got safe friendships and people who are safe in your life because they're not going to do this or make you feel off. But make a decision today. Make a decision that goes, I forgive. I forgive. And be free, be free to walk in faith and peace, grace, the love of God. It'll change your marriage, your family, your finances, every area of your life when you obey the principles of God's word. Father, today I pray that you'd cause every one of us to begin to always think and to guard our heart with all diligence because out of it flows the forces of life. So we're not gonna allow the enemy to bait us with wrong words and hurtful situations or our own inadequate identity and, and, and how insecure we are ourselves when no one really has offended us. Father, I ask you to help us to grow up into your word, to grow up in your presence and to live the life that you've given us. Every head bowed for just a moment. I wanna close my message down with a powerful prayer. A prayer that is where you give your life to Jesus. You say, come into my heart. From today and on, I'm following you. And so we're all going to pray this prayer out loud. But for those that are here across the auditorium that would say, please, pastor, include me in this prayer. I need to invite Christ into my heart. Just you folks, open your eyes and give me a quick wave all over the auditorium. Just say, pastor, include me in that prayer. Today, I'm going to get right with God. I'm giving my life to Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Praise you, Jesus. For those who are watching, wherever you are, just pray this prayer as all of us pray it with these amazing folks making this decision. Let's all pray out loud. Just say, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus who died in my place for my sin. He took my curse, went to hell in my place, rose again with new life. Jesus, I accept. Come into my heart. I'm following you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, 
Amen and amen. Welcome to the family of God.